We are in a study of the deep things of God, deep calling to deep. God wants His church to go deeper, and He is speaking to us on that. And I'm taking you to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, because I want you to understand that there is a voice seeking after us from the depths of God's own heart. This voice searches for those who are hungry to hear it. But it's been lost in the corridors of religious institutions. It's been silenced by the clamor of pulpits. It comes from the secret depths and knowledge of God's own voice for those who have ears to hear. And it will personally guide you in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. We need to begin to understand that we are reservoirs, we are containers, and we are instruments of the deep knowledge of who God is. And God is calling on us to express these deep things of the Spirit to a dying world. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2 highlights this so beautifully. Paul is writing to this Pentecostal, this charismatic church, this church filled with the gifts of the Spirit, but they're very confused and there's a lot of uh, clamor and a lot of noise and a lot of problems. And as an apostle, he needs to guide them and set them right in the foundations of the Spirit. And this foundational truth that he's going to speak to them in this second chapter is so essential for us to hear. So let me read through it with you, for you, to you, and listen. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech and wisdom. Now I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear, and I was with much trembling. My speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul is telling us that What he brought to them is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this gospel is not a philosophy of men. It is not a religion of man. He said it is something more lofty than that. It is something deeper and greater than that. In fact, what he says is, I don't want to know anything about your theologies. I don't want to know about your philosophical ascent to Plato or Aristotle or Socrates. It's not about human wisdom. And he said the revelation of this whole thing is in Christ and Christ crucified. That's where the wisdom of God is revealed. That's where the deep mystery of God's holiness and righteousness and justice was unveiled for the world to see. He said, I don't want to know nothing among you except Christ and Christ crucified. Because that's where the depth of God's love was demonstrated. That's where the depth of God's wisdom was on display. Everything was unveiled at the cross. In fact, in the book of Revelation, it says that he's the Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the earth. It was in God's predestined plan and sovereign purpose that Christ, the Lamb, would die for mankind even before man was created. This is a a mystery, a a relationship, a, a depth of knowledge that is deeper than the smarts and the wisdom of mankind. Christianity is not an ideology. Christianity is not something we invented. It existed 
before time itself. It is truly the revelation of God's own being. That's what Christianity is, the revelation of Father. For Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And you've seen the Father's heart at the cross. That's why Paul said, I didn't come with lofty wisdom and eloquent speech. I was trembling. I was shaking. My words were very simple and very plain. But there was a presence, a manifestation of God's own Spirit in our midst. How many of you know that's what the world needs? To see and hear God in our midst. Amen? Instead of another opinion. And that's what Paul is saying. And he goes on to say this. Oh, yet among the mature we do impart wisdom. Although it's not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Again, not human philosophy. Not the best theology that Thomas Aquinas could come up with or Augustine or somebody else who's trying to interpret the revelation of God. We speak with wisdom, but it is a wisdom of God Himself. And we thank God for man's attempts to understand God. But he said, even if the rulers of this age knew what this revelation of God was, they wouldn't have killed Jesus. He says this in verse 7, But we impart a secret, hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. You see, this thing was hidden in God. No one understood the triune nature of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No one understood that God had decided before the beginning of time that that the love of God would be displayed through Christ, the Word, Jesus, His Son. In Isaiah, He said He sought an intercessor and found none and made bare His arm of salvation. You see, it was hidden. It was hidden in his quiver. It was hidden in his plan. No one understood it. Peter says that the prophets of old discerned their own writings. They reviewed their own writings and it's things of the times when Messiah would come and how he would die and these things even the angels looked into. Isaiah would read what, what God had given him to try to discern and understand how can he be Uh, everlasting Father, uh, mighty Counselor, the mighty God, Prince of Peace, and yet how could He be the suffering servant? How could He be one in whom God chastised? How, How could He understand? Ezekiel was trying to understand it. Jeremiah was trying to search out the times. Daniel in all of his wisdom was trying to figure how He would be coming in clouds of glory, but yet He would be the Son of God who suffers. Angels needed to understand these deep, hidden mysteries of God. Do you understand that you know more than the angels concerning God's own nature? And so this thing has been hidden. And if the rulers of this age understood it, they never would have killed Jesus. Now, now he says that about the rulers, Pilate and Herod and the, and the principalities. They, they wouldn't have done it, but it goes into the spirit realm. If the demonic realm, if Satan himself would have understood what was going on in crucifying Christ, he never would have done it because once Christ was crucified, the enemy was defeated. And God was revealed. See, this is a hidden wisdom. This is a wisdom that's so profound. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, 
What no eye has seen and no ear has heard, what no heart could be imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. What he's saying is that this knowledge that you and I have is the knowledge of the depths of God. A depth of knowledge of God that the Old Testament saints didn't understand, you do. A depth of knowledge of God that the angels do not fully comprehend compared to you. As Paul says in Ephesians, that the church instructs the angels. How can this be? He uses the word depths. That the Spirit knows the depths of God. These are the things that you know. We know the depths of God. In the Greek, it's a word bathos. I think of water. I think of a bath. How about you? Your neighbor's praying that you took one last night. (laughs) Bathos. It's used in the Greek for deep waters. It has the sense of the deep waters. And God's, the knowledge of God, the hidden mysteries of God are so deep. They're deeper than any human philosophy. They're deeper than any age we live in. I love the attitude of people today. We're in the 21st century. This Bible is, come on, really? You still believe in that? Yeah, because it's not of an age or a time. This is not an ancient book. This is an eternal book. It's not based on a time period or a custom or a people group. It's based on the heart of God before time, before all creation. It's deep, and we know the bathos. We know the deep things of God. And so the church needs to come back to the deep that's calling to deep. There's been a move in the church the last 20 years called seeker-friendly churches where we stay on the surface of the waters so that we can get more people in ankle deep. That's a good idea. We need to get people ankle deep. But how many of you know you get tired of playing? You can get out of the water really easy in ankle deep water. And we're losing people right and left. They're leaving the churches because there's no depth to us. They're looking to Oprah for their information instead of Christ Jesus. They're they're running to and fro to the new age, to the occult, because they say real demonstrations of power. When we're the ones who are supposed to be deep in the knowledge of God. Paul uses the same concept of deep, and he says in Romans 11.33, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments, and unfathomable are His ways. And we want Him to fit in our box, and we've got a pretty bow on it that we like. Because when things come our way we don't understand, we're willing to reject Him so quickly. He didn't perform like we wanted him to. So we play the little organ grinder music and we say, play, Jesus, play. You didn't do it right. His riches, the depths of who he is, is unfathomable. 
There's deep things in God that only through the searching and the groaning of your own heart and the laying out and flaying of your soul through circumstances will you ever begin to understand the rich depth of God's love for you and compassion and patience. But we don't want to get our nails dirty or sweat. But these are the deep, deep riches of God. And how about this portion of Scripture we so often misquote, or at least misapply? He said this as he's writing about the unsearchable things of God and how deep, and that the crucifixion of Christ, he goes on, he says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart of man imagined what God prepared for those who love Him. Right? How many of you heard that verse? And all of us hear it quoted and we go, someday when we get to heaven. This verse is not about heaven. But we use it about heaven. Oh, no eye can see. We can't imagine about the streets of gold and the soft fluffy clouds. How beautiful it will be one day. That's not what this is. He's in the middle of a dissertation on the cross. This is at the cross. No eye has seen the cross. No one knew that God would crucify His Son. No one knew that God would put blood on and bleed all over this planet for a people. No eye could see it. No no ear had heard the cry. It is finished coming from the very Word of God Himself. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. No No ear imagined that. And no mind could comprehend that God would die. Come in the flesh and die for us. It's foolishness to the Greeks. It's it's a stumbling block to the Jews. No one could think a holy God would do this. People can't accept this. And he says, these things no one could imagine, no one has heard, no one could uh, even discern. And he says this, but you have you have this isn't a mystery anymore what was lost in the mysteries of the old testament what was hidden in the battles for the promised land what was hidden in israel trying to live a righteous life under the law all of that what was hidden in all of that is now revealed for you to understand he says these Things, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Who's he talking to? First century Christians? All Christians. These things were revealed to you because it's the same Spirit that dwelled in them is now dwelling in us. These things. What things? The deep things of God are revealed to us. These things God has revealed to us through His Spirit. And he goes on to say this, For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths, the depths of God. You know the shallows, you know the mid-levels, and you know the depths of God. You saw the depths of God in Christ, and now you can know the depths of God's own character and mind. That's who we are, people. That's who the church is. Verse 11, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? You don't know what I'm thinking right now. 
You have no idea. You don't want to. We don't want to know each other's thoughts. Get us in a lot of trouble. But you don't know what I'm thinking, do you? But the spirit of me knows what I'm thinking because he's in me. And so he goes on with that same illustration and he says this. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Makes sense, right? Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why? So that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. (laughs) We have the very thought life of God in us now. We have the heart of Father beating in us. We have His joys. We have His sorrows. We have His expressions. We have all that He is, who He is, how He is, now dwelling in us. It's all been revealed because at the cross, Christ died died and through his blood if you put faith in that cross your sins are cleansed so that the spirit of holiness can now dwell in you and if the spirit of god dwells in you you have the rich depth of god's knowledge and understanding in us wow but the church sure don't seem to be walking and talking like we do but it's ours So it's a day, it's an hour when God wants the rich depths of who his nature is to be on display for the world from his body, the church. Aren't you excited you're going to go deep? How many of you want to go deep in Jesus? Yes, yes. And we impart, verse 13, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. You're learning concepts, thoughts, and words that are dropped into your soul and into your heart by the Spirit of God. This isn't man's wisdom. This isn't man's intellect. But this is what is given to us by the Holy Spirit. Jesus called the Holy Spirit a counselor, a comforter. In John 14, he used the Greek word paraclete. A paraclete is one who is called alongside He actually abides in. The paraclete is a counselor. Your counselor is God himself. The very spirit of God. Jesus said, you don't have to figure out what to say when you need to say it. I'll say it. I'll speak to you. You don't need to know what to do. I'm going to give you counsel. Now, I took all sorts of courses in persecution. I'm kidding. I didn't. But, you know, we want to know, what happens when we're being persecuted? What, ha- what will I say before people? What if someone has a really good argument? Well, we should study, we should learn, but there are times, and I'll tell you, more effective than anything else is a word spoken by the utterance of the Holy Spirit to someone than something you learned from a book you studied. I remember getting involved in deliverance ministry, reading books on how to cast out demons, And then when you get confronted by them, you're trying to remember what page 13 said. (laughs) I bind you. I cast you. No, do I cast you or do I bind you? I bind. I get get you. Get away. (laughs) Till the Holy Spirit begins to speak into you and the authority comes on you and you begin to recognize what you need to do and what you need to say because uh, that demon didn't care about what book you read but under the unction of the Spirit he then begins to know that you know what you're talking about. Amen? 
But what has happened to the church is we've taken out the concept that each believer can know the depths of God and hear from the Spirit. Our religious institutions have said, no, chapter 2 is only talking about the apostles who wrote the New Testament, not each individual believer. And so you can't hear the voice of the Spirit. That would be too dangerous. No, every believer can't hear the voice of the Spirit. So from the pulpits we're preaching that the only way you can hear from God is you have to read this book. And so many Christians, instead of searching out the deep riches of intimate relationship with God and knowing the voice of His Spirit, we read the Bible, which is good, but all we do is quote the Bible. All we do is speak what we read here, which is good, it's the Logos, but it should be spoken under the unction of God's living Spirit. And so what we've done is we've taken away from the paraclete and we've become parakeets. We chirp Bible verses out instead of sharing the very heart of God with someone, the compassion and of love for someone, the discernment of when someone is lying, the discernment of knowing when someone is bound by a demon, the discerning of the paraclete. But we'll read our little parakeet phrases. If you say this and if you do that, we'll do this. Now, those things are effective, and God can use even parakeets. I understand that. But I'm saying we want to go deeper, don't you? Don't you want to go deeper than chirping? I want to go deeper into the mysteries and the things of God. And they're ours. They're there for us. That's what Paul's writing. He's going on through the rest of this book, telling them how to act sexually, trying to ha- how to act relationally, trying to, as an apostolic uh, teacher, how to use the gifts of the Spirit and so forth. The deep things of God. That's what he's telling him. In verse 14, he says, The natural person doesn't accept the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him, and he's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. These are spiritual truths. We speak spirit to spirit. The world out there is dead in their spirit. But the Word will quicken them and make them alive. But we're so busy trying to get popularity with the world. We're trying to be accepted by the world. And the deeper you go in God, the more you'll be rejected by the world. Do you remember what they did with Jesus? Do you remember what Jesus said? The more you act like me and talk like me, they'll treat you like they did me. So why are we trying to get the world to like us? We couch what we say. We're careful what we say and what we don't say. We lighten it up a little bit so that we'd be accepted. Don't you understand that is the exact opposite of what they need? We're no longer speaking to the spirit man. We're speaking to the carnal man. And that makes no sense at all. And so he goes on to say, the spiritual person judges all things, but he himself to be judged by no one. Don't worry about being judged by the world. It makes no sense. They're dead in their trespasses and sin. They're going to judge me for following Jesus. So follow Jesus. Some of you are worried that they might think you're a fool. 
You are. That's what got you saved. You came to that realization. That's why you needed Jesus. So at this point, I don't care what you think of me. I'm not going to back off from what needs to be said. As Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Why do I need to be ashamed? You're going to judge me? Judge me. I hope I match and and line up with Jesus. Now what he's talking about here is this. He says, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. You have the knowledge of God. That hidden knowledge, that deep knowledge. Hidden in Christ. So what Paul is saying is that there's three levels of impartation that go deep and deeper and deeper. There's successive steps that speak to the heart of man, to the depths of God's knowledge. The first is revelation. That's what he's talking about. God revealed His hidden wisdom at the cross. Here it is for everyone to see. The revelation of God's heart is at the cross. It's... It's a heart that shows how far God will go for us. It's a revelation of God's own heart that man has to now contend with. You have to literally reject the love of God to reject Jesus Christ. And this revelation was given to all for all to make a decision by. You see... There are many, I would dare say that the majority of the population of the United States of America has the revelation of God. They understand God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son that He died for my sins. He went to the grave for me, rose from the dead. Most do not accept that, but they know the revelation of it. So the revelation's been given. But the second level now is impartation. And that is the impartation of the Spirit of God into those who put faith in the revelation. You got this? The revelation's given. Doesn't save you. Putting faith in the revelation is what saves you. And by putting your faith in that revelation of Christ on the cross, an impartation comes and the very Spirit of God comes to dwell in His people. That's the church. And so many in the church have the impartation of the Holy Spirit. But there's a deeper level now that we're to be walking in, and that's the illumination. That's the Holy Spirit speaking into your life daily. Through the Word of God, yes. But into your soul and into your spirit, man, so that daily you are walking in the illumination and the light of the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. He's nudging you. He's talking to you. He's telling you, speak to this person. Give this person finance. Help that person over there. Speak and pray for this person here. And he begins to illuminate the impartation that's within us, God's own heart. That's what Paul's trying to say. You have the revelation of the deep nature of God. Impart it and illuminate it to other people. 
In fact, it's interesting because he says what God has given us in this are things. The things of God. It's interesting in that second chapter he lists the things of God five times. What are these things? The things of God. Well, first off, we see in verse 11, these things are the thoughts of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person? No one can comprehend God except the Spirit, and now you've received that Spirit. So if I've received the Spirit who knows the thoughts of the Father, I now have in me the thoughts of the Father. Woo! Those are the thoughts. Those are the things he's talking about. What things? The deep things of God. The deep things of God. How does God feel about these things? How many of you, once you're a Christian and that people know you're a Christian, you're not undercover, you're not an undercover agent, but at work people know you're a Christian. How many of them people come up to you and ask you, what do you think about this? What about that? What about this? The reason they're asking you is they want to know what God thinks about these things. You are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. You speak for the Father's heart. Know how to present the Father's thoughts. What's your dad think about this? What does your dad say about that? Share Father's hearts. Those are the things that we now know. He says in verse 12, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who's from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. Now we got things. Not only do we have his thoughts, but he gives us all sorts of things. What do you got? What kind of things you got? I got keys. I got a flash drive. I got a wallet. What else you got? What do you got from God? Well, see, what are the things freely given? The word freely given would be a gift, right? These are the gifts from God, the charis, the charismata, the graces of God. Every believer has been given the graces of God, the gifts of God. He wants you to understand all these things you've been given. Paul says, and he'll go on later in this book, he says, man, I want you to earnestly covet. Do you know what the word covet means? Lust. I want you to fervently, really, really lust after the gifts of God. The things God wants to give you freely. No strings attached. You can't earn them. Ask for them. Get them, get them, get them. I want more things. How many of you want more things? God, I want more things. Right? I, I had to get re-educated with my, my grandchildren. I had forgotten. I remember with my kids. You get one thing and this, that, you know. And then with my grandkids, a little looser. Till I brought my three-year-old granddaughter into a little store and said, you can pick out one thing. <laughs> that was stupid. Started at the front of the store, went all the way around. She had 75 different things. I want this, I want this. I said, no, you got to put that back. I don't want to put it back. No, you got to put it back. I don't want to put it back. I never should have said you can get something for free. I want to be like that three-year-old concerning God. I want that, I want that, I want this, I want that, I want this, and I want that, and I want this. You said I could have it. that we would understand what's freely been given to us. And Paul says, I want you to covet. I want you to earnestly covet all the gifts, but especially prophecy. Why? It is the expression 
of Father's heart. It is the words of the Father coming through you into people's lives. Spiritual truth spoken at the right spiritual time into someone's spirit. There's nothing more effective than that. I've done counseling now for 27 years in this church. There's nothing more effective than letting the Holy Spirit do the work. Stand aside, counselor, and let the Holy Spirit speak into people's lives. They won't receive it if you tell them, but they understand Spirit of God. So we get the things, the graces of God freely given. Then it says this in verse 13. What other things do we get? And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Spiritual words in spiritual truths. Spoken spirit to spirit. Spirit to spirit. Have you ever met a Christian or somewhere else in the world? And, and they trust you. There's a bond immediately. There's just the sense Uh, What comes with them is the whole catalog of the Word of God. I love it. You know, there's a depth right there. You're a believer? I'm a believer. Ah! And then the whole Bible's like right there. Spiritual words spoken into the spirit of people's lives. You know, it's it's interesting because these are, this is translated in English, right? Written in Greek and Hebrew, Aramaic. So, but we have it written in English. And these are all the same words I use every day. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Is there there any special Christian word there? No, it's the same English word you use in your everyday conversation. God, loved, right? World, son, gave, believe. I use these words all the time. Why is it when I can present it to someone who's seeking I can say, God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I use those same words in my speech all day long. Why is it when I present it in that truth, it has power to ignite faith unto salvation? Because it's carried by the weight of the Spirit into the depths of their soul. How many of you want to walk like that and talk like that? Oh, come on. Come on. I do! Every time I go shopping, you got my little list. And alongside that list is, who am I going to talk to? What am I going to minister? How am I going to bring Jesus into the mire or wherever I'm going to Kroger? Kroger owns every store on every corner anyways now. They should give you gas points for prophesying in Kroger. I'm going to submit that idea. Sorry. Just came to me. It was a download. All right. Verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness. He's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. Spiritual discernment is also what's given to you, the things of the Spirit. These things, their words, their gifts, their knowledge, their discernments. I love God for giving me discernment how to get in and out of situations but the way God does. That's what Paul's trying to say. This is way beyond human knowledge. And then I conclude with this, going back to the top of this portion of Scripture. It's the testimony of God. That's what Paul brought. These are the things of God. He said they're things that your eyes can see Your ears can hear. You can't even imagine them, but they'll show up. He said, I didn't come with special words of intellect. He said, I came with a demonstration 
or a manifestation of the very person of God's Spirit. It wasn't based on eloquent speech. She said, I'm not that good of a speaker anyways. It's because I laid hands on the sick and they recovered. It's because I began to prophesy over people. I began to bring revelation. And the Spirit of God was in that place. That's what changes lives. That's what changes a world. That's what this nation needs. Amen? It needs a church that's deep in the richness of God, presenting God's own nature. When you show up, God shows up. Amen.